Welcome to episode 365 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent here as always, and it's time yet again for another year-end episode. Man, the time flies by, doesn't it? This will now be the eighth best of year-end episode that has happened on this podcast. The best of 2022. Top 22 of 2022. Obviously, our first year was 2015, and we've done this every year since. Jason, of course, was with me on the first, I guess that would be first six of them, then last year and this year, it is I alone. And so, with that being said, like I've always said on most of these other ones, if you tuned into this to hear some kind of, you know, clinical breakdown of albums or meeting of the minds where we dissect What makes this the greatest album of the year by pinpointing production and writing and all these things mixed together? Like, you know, all the stuff that goes into like a QB writing, all the weird shit that no one understands. You've come to the wrong place. This isn't, you know, Kerrang! magazine or some shit where there's 27 writers coming together and forming their opinions. This is the opinion of one person. And there you go. So basically, you're going to hear my top albums of the year. And I'm going to do something that I've... I know that, you know, the last couple years that Jason did this with me, he wasn't a big fan of... You know, when we started this thing in 2015, it was top 15, you know, which is fine. And actually, we started this before the podcast. We would do posts on social media, the top 10, top 12, whatever year. As the years go on, you know, top 16 of 2016, top 19 of 2019, you know, the list keeps getting longer. And he wasn't a big fan of that. And I get it. So, you know, I was entertaining the idea of doing, you know, kind of resetting it in the teens and doing like a 12 of 2022. And then next year, a top 13 of 2023, you know, that kind of thing. But I thought... I will kind of meet somewhere here in the middle. And I went ahead and put together my top 22 of 2022. But the first 10, numbers 13 through 22, I'm just kind of going to skim through and just give a couple sentences, a little bit of thought about each one, which I, I think I probably said this last year. And you know how that goes. I start talking about one of these things and I ramble for a few minutes. So it's just like doing a normal best of episode, but regardless, that's my plan here is I'm going to kind of skim through those first ones, list them off, talk about them because I love them. And then when we get to the top 12, you know, go a little bit, a little bit more, but I don't get too deep into these. It's just a talking about the album, you know, from just a fan standpoint, not get too technical about it. Before we get into all this, the top 22, I need to let you know we're sponsored by, and that would be MedFarm, a dispenser located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, 24683 East Highway 51. They're right off the highway. They've got a drive-thru, which is very cool because you can place your order ahead of time by calling or texting, and then you can just drive right through that drive-thru and pick it up and be on your way. But if you want to go in and peruse, check things out, 
you're more than welcome to do that as well. You can do that online before you go. If you check out leafly.com, you can see their entire selection. You can, of course, go in and see this entire selection. They've got a very knowledgeable staff that is there to help you out at all times. MedFarmOK.com is the website. Check them out on our socials. MedFarmOK on Instagram and Facebook is MedFarm. That's P-H-A-R-M. They're always running specials on there, so check both those out so you don't miss any specials. And a special that is always running is if you mention Thunder Underground, they'll give you 10% off your first order. That's very cool. But what's even cooler is 30% of their proceeds at all times go to build no-kill animal shelters. So, wherever you're at in this Tulsa area, it's worth the drive. You can be there from pretty much anywhere in the Tulsa area within 20 minutes or so. So swing in there, and nearly a third of what you're spending is going to build no-kill animal shelters. You can't beat that. Great cause. Great company. Tell them you heard about them here. Sunset Tattoo. Tattoo shop located in Midtown Tulsa. Tattoos are done, good, and proper. State licensed. Most importantly, mother approved. You can check out all their work on their socials. Sunset Tattoo Tulsa on both Instagram and Facebook. There's tons of pictures, tons of different styles. Whatever work you need done, if you call in, you can set up an appointment to talk about what work you want to have done. They also accept walk-ins. I've had work done by Sunset Tattoo. I've had work done by Jason Thompson right there, and I'm looking forward to having more done here in the very near future. I know many other people have as well. So hit up Sunset Tattoo Tulsa. You will not be disappointed. Finally, we've got DB Concerts, a concert promoter based in Tulsa that has bought, brought tons of great acts to this area. Downtown Tulsa, bands like Last in Line, Saxon, Buck Cherry, Warrant, Lita Ford, Winger, Bisto Blanco, a huge long list. Arena shows at the BOK Center with bands like Megadeth, Lame of God, Poison, Tom Kiefer, Snoop Dogg, Ice Cube, Nelly. They also promote the and book the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma every year. This year was no different, and I'm sure next year will be no different as well. And that announcement should be coming here in the next month or two. We'll be talking about all that here. But follow them on our socials, DEB Concerts, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, DEBconcerts.com. Be kept, up, up, be kept up to date with info. And of course, we bring it to you here as well. So just thank you to DB Concerts. All right, 2022. Something I've mentioned a few times throughout the year was that I know me and Jason kind of talked about it in 2020 and 2021. You know, while the pandemic was still going on and as it kind of started winding down a bit in 2021, That we expected this year to kind of be a burst of music, I guess, so to speak. And it felt like that for a while. But then when I started looking at stuff that had come out this year, it didn't, it didn't really seem like the quantity was more than most other years. You know, the last several years, we, you know, we've done, you know, like we've done this every year. So we look at the year and see what's happened. And there's always been high-quality music every year. You know, people always, this is something else I believe I've mentioned many times, people always say rock is dead. And rock is dead when it comes to the mainstream, when it comes to 
basically the mainstream when it comes to anything in pop culture, you know, media wise, very few rock bands break through, you know, in the same sense that pop stars or hip hop artists or whatever, even some country, but mostly it's, you know, just pop country bullshit like Kane Brown or something, which isn't really country, but you know, all that stuff, you don't see rock in it as much. You know, of course, Metallica is always going to get paid attention to in the mainstream or Foo Fighters. There's bands like that. But for the most part, rock isn't alive and well in that situation. And it it's hard hard to see that if it will, you know, it might be, it might be someday down the road. But rock is alive and well if you look for it. You know, a lot of terrestrial radio stations you know, play new stuff, but they also just cycle in the same old stuff. And hey, I'm a fan of that same old stuff. I grew up on it. I listen to the same old shit all the time, like a lot of people do, but I also listen to this new stuff. And, you know, about to go through quite a few albums that came out this year that I think are great. And I know there's many other albums, and I'm not even going to mention that people think are great. But the point I'm trying to make is maybe that explosion didn't happen as much as People thought it would with all the downtime of the pandemic of bands, you know, writing and getting ready to record. But we've got a new album coming in a few months from Metallica. And even though it's been, it'll have been six, what, six and a half years since Hardwired when they put that out. People probably weren't expecting one before the pandemic hit because they take their time to put out albums. And then you've got, say, then there are bands that actually did what we thought might happen to a band like Red Hot Chili Peppers, a band at that level, doesn't even need to put on new music. Bands like that can rely on nostalgia to sell tickets. People are still going to show up. But Red Hot Chili Peppers put out two full albums this year. And then there's other bands that you thought might put something out that didn't put out anything at all. So who knows? Maybe it'll happen in 2023. Maybe it won't happen at all. We don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. We got a second album from Ozzy. You know, that. I guess that's something else. Would that have been two years? I'm trying to... Was the last album 2021 or 2020? I think, it, yeah, it was 2021. So two years in a row, which is unheard of in the world of Ozzy Osbourne since going back into the 80s. Excuse me, going back into the 80s when you had output like that. And then another band like Rammstein, I think maybe the pandemic pushed them into putting out another album sooner than they probably would have because their last album came out in 2019 and it had been quite a while since we'd gotten new music and then we got another one here you know sure three years later is more than enough time for you know most bands to put on a new album but not when it comes to a band like Rammstein I think if the pandemic hadn't happened this album probably wouldn't have been put out so there's some of those albums and there's a lot of them not. A lot of them bands us on their regular album cycle. So let's kind of jump into it. I'm I'm going to kind of like I always do on these things, run through some, just list off some albums that came out that I checked out and listened to that didn't make the list. If you can hear here, I've got a piece of paper in my hand. I went old school here. Printed out this list on paper so I didn't have to like keep jump, jumping back and forth and looking at my phone. When I'm trying to like look at these albums and you know speak here and all that great stuff, but 
just kind of running through, you know, some bands that had albums out that I listened to in 2022 that were great. The Scorpions. Ty Tabor of King's X had another solo album. He was on this podcast, by the way. Eddie Vedder had a great solo album. Dorothy put out yet another great album. Saxon had yet another great album. Drowning Pool, Dropkick Murphy's. Dropkick Murphy's album was really cool if you have not checked that one out. It's a bit more, uh, I wouldn't say laid back, but stripped down would be the right word. Where did I leave myself off here? Alan Olsen. We actually had Russell Allen on a podcast talking about this album. Steve Vai, Skillet. Mark Tremonti put out his album of Frank Sinatra covers, which was very cool. Jeff Scott Soto, Hellstorm, Michael Schenker Group, Ozzy, as I mentioned previously, Tyler Bryant and Shakedown, another great album from Tyler Bryant, Nickelback and Disturbed and Slipknot, you know, some of the heavy hitters of the rock, the hard rock world put out new albums, Haunt, a band that comes up quite a bit on this podcast, had another great album, Corn, Autograph. Ruby the Hatchet, that's another one. Check out that band if you have not. Arch Enemy, Dream Widow, the group that was basically the Foo Fighters, put out that metal album earlier in the year. Came out actually, maybe it was the week before Taylor Hawkins passed away. It was right around the same time. Jeff Beck and Johnny Depp put out their their blues album, which was very cool. I highly recommend you checking that one out. Upon a Burning Body had another cool album. Fozzie released an album this year that I like much better than their last couple albums. Amana Marth. You know that if they put out an album, it's going to be good. That should have probably made my list, but it didn't. Let's see here. Devin Townsend. The uh, mastermind that is Devin Townsend. Love Hate. Jizzy Pearl's Love Hate put out now, which is very cool if you are into the rock of the late 80s. The Interrupters, The New Roses, ZZ Top, Classless Act. I kind of actually just listened to this album for the first time about a month ago. They were the band that was on tour, on a stadium tour, opened up for Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, and Joan Jett. That's a very good album. Check that one out. Ginger Wildheart and the Sinners. I spoke about this one in length when it came out. This probably would have made my top 22, but I just didn't... I don't think it's hard rock, so it's... That's the reason it's not on the list. Then these last few are ones... I guess you could call them honorable mentions. They're ones that I wished I could put on this list, but... Ran Out of Space, which would be Def Leppard's new album. Take What You Want. I mean, that's one of the best songs Def Leppard's recorded in 20 plus years. Black Swan, their second album is fantastic. If you're not familiar with Black Swan, check them out. It's great melodic hard rock with Robin McCauley on vocals, Red Beach on guitar. Both of those men have been on this podcast at separate times. More than once. Let's see, The Halo Effect. This is one that I really thought would make my list, but I guess as the year went on, I listened to it again this past week just to see. 
And it's a great album, but I don't know. It didn't live up to the hype that I put in my head for it, but it is a very good album. It's a solid album, and I highly recommend it to anyone that likes metal. If you're not familiar with the Halo Effect, it is basically every member is a former member of In Flames. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, hold on. How could the vocalist be a former member of In Flames? Because In Flames still has their vocalist, the only remaining member now, right? Well, for those of you that don't know, the original vocalist of In Flames is the vocalist for Dark Tranquility. Michael Stanton, who has been on this podcast before, is fronting the Halo Effect with all other members of In Flames throughout the years that have come and gone. So check that one out. It has a very much, it sounds like exactly what you think it would sound like, but it is a very cool album. All right. And King's X looks like, no. Yeah, King's X. I've got a couple other much. King's X put out their first album in quite a while. It's a solid album. King's X doesn't make bad music. It didn't, I guess for me, didn't stick with me the same way that some of their previous ones did. But it's one of those albums that you got to listen to and really listen to. You know, I've listened to it two or three times. I really need to delve into it more. I think if this is... If I was making the best of 2022 a year or two from now, that would probably be on my list. But who knows? I probably won't do that. But if we do, let's we can have a call back to this episode. Finally, the last few here looks like Lame of God, which I know is on a lot of people's lists. Crowbar, which should be on this list. I really dig it. But again... I guess I dug these other 22 or more. So, Crowbar would probably be number 23. Alright, so, with all that being said, rattle the paper here. Should we jump into this top 22? Yes. Let me pull this up just so I can remember a few um, song titles on a few of these albums. But anyway... Here we go, number 22, Slash, featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. Four. Why is this album called Four? My guess is because it's the fourth album with Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. It's technically Slash's fifth solo album, if you don't count Slash's Snake Pits as, as solo albums, which I don't, even though they kind of are, but that was a group, Slash's Snake Pit. Had a couple of albums in the 90s. And then Slash put out his first solo album that featured a bunch of different vocalists, Miles Kennedy, on two of those tracks. And then now this is the fourth full album featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. Just like uh, something I've stated, it seems like this happens every year. At some every year, somehow Miles Kennedy is on this year and list in some shape or form, whether it be with his solo albums, whether it be with Alter Bridge, or whether it be with Slash. As I've stated before, you are living in the golden era of fucking Miles Kennedy, okay? People are going to look back 50 years from now on the past decade or more, and it'll continue here in the coming decade and more. I mean, this is one of Rock's great, greatest vocalists, and his output has been outstanding. You're going to hear more from him later on in this episode. But kicking us off with Slash featuring Miles, 
I mean, you got a, you know, you've got another great ten songs to delve into. Slash is never at a loss for a riff for a solo. Somehow, after all these years, he keeps whipping them out. Slash is my favorite guitarist of all time. Quite possibly my favorite musician of all time. So if he puts out an album, you know I'm going to delve into it. The first song on the album, The River is Rising, is great. Say La Vie is great. Man, let's check through here. April Fool, Call Off the Dogs. The other thing about this album is it's 43 minutes. It's probably the, sh- I think this is the shortest album from Miles, from Slash with Miles. All their al- other albums were around an hour. So, you know, kind of, uh, cutting back there, but that always makes for good stuff. You know, less is more sometimes. So check that one out if you have not. Number 21, Thunder Mother, Black and Gold. Thunder Mother is a fantastic band of four females out of Sweden who kick the fucking shit out of everybody that they come across. Okay, I finally got the chance to see them live when they came to Tulsa opening up for the Scorpions. This is a band that we've been talking about here for a few years. I know their last album, Heat Wave, made our top 20 of 2020. Jason turned me on to him a year or two before that. This band, you know, is everything you want from a rock and roll band. They're just straightforward, you know, your kind of four-on-the-floor type rock and roll beat, you know, just... If you love old school rock, you'll love them. If you love modern rock, you'll love them. This is, I know Jason made this statement a few times when we talked about them, that this is the type of music that should be on the mainstream rock radio. But unfortunately, it's not. But the title track, Black and Gold, is freaking great. The song Hot Mess is great. I Don't Know You. Borrowed Time. Check this album out. All right, number 20. Clutch, Slaughter, excuse me, Sunrise on Slaughter Beach. That's a great album title. That would also be, uh, sounds like a late 70s, early 80s B, B-movie horror flick type thing. Sunrise on Slaughter Beach. Clutch is another band that... Kind of like I said about Slash, if they put out a new album, I'm instantly delving into it. I'm instantly soaking this thing in. Clutch doesn't make bad music. They, sure, like any band, they have some albums that stick with you more than others. But this album, just like every Clutch album, has some of the best lyrics you'll ever hear. Neil Fallon is one of the greatest lyricists of our time. And any time, in my opinion, when it comes to rock and roll. Or fuck, any genre. Red Alert. The opening track. Red Alert, Boss Metal Zone. The second track, Slaughter Beach. Has this real stoner metal kind of groove. And then just, you know, kicking through this thing, Mercy Brown. The final track, Jack Hammer, our names. You know, just your typical kind of final track from a clutch album it's clutch if you love them surely you've heard this because clutch fans are diehard if you don't love them 
I don't know what's wrong with you, but if you're just in the middle of the road there to him, you know, check this album out. But if you didn't like him, I don't think this is going to turn you around. All right. Number 19, Parkway Drive, Darker Steel. Parkway Drive is a band that I've spoken about in length that I didn't care a lot about when they came out the first few albums. And, you know, I know that a lot of Parkway Drive fans or old school fans, you know, had the exact opposite view that I have. This was a metalcore band that, you know, hey, it was fine. I just didn't get too much into them. I didn't dislike what I heard. I liked it fine. It just wasn't anything where I'd be like, oh, God, I got to go hear that album. But then over the past three albums, they've shifted to more, almost more groove metal than power, than uh, metalcore. I'd say just they're more of a typical modern metal band, but they have a lot of groove metal aspects. And this album is no different. It carries on in, right into that, you know, same mindset. And, you know, the, album, the song Glitch, the title track, If a God Can Bleed. This is just, a you know, it's, it's another great album. But I understand that there are diehard or old school Parkway Drive fans out there that don't like this. And that's, you know, their prerogative. But I think if you like straight up, you know, kind of metalcore that is very mainstream, I guess would be a way to put it. Or, like I said, groove metal that's a little a little heavier at times than, you know, I don't know. I just, I think if you're not a fan of Parkway Drive, you should check out the last couple albums. You'll probably dig it. All right. So let's see here. Number 18. In a totally different... What what am I trying to say? In a total shift from what we just talked about. Ugly Kid Joe. Rad Wings of Destiny. Ugly Kid Joe is back with yet another amazing album title. They've spent their whole career doing this. You know, every album title is a pun or a play on words from another famous album title. And this, I believe, unless I'm forgetting something, may be the first one that they played off of a metal album with Sad Wings of Destiny. You know, they've played off a rap, off of classic rock, all that stuff. But also... Not just album title, but album cover. Google this thing if you have not seen it. This may be the album cover of the year. But I also believe this is, and I think Jason mentioned this on the last episode when he rejoined me for our Best of 92 Look Back 30 Years Later episode that we did last week, that this is probably Old Kid Joe's best album since they've came back. You know, since they started releasing music again in the past decade or so. I would say their best, you know, the most uh, complete album. I'll just say straight up, my favorite song in this album is Failure. And, you know, it's I've been an Ugly Kid Joe fan since the day they came out. I still count with Phil Crane as one of my favorite singers. Like I said, with Neil Fallon, he's one of my favorite lyricists. It's a totally different style of lyric writing, but he is very, he's a master of that tongue-in-cheek kind of stuff, and 
The song Failure harkens back to the mid-90s Ugly Kid Joe, like the menace to sobriety Ugly Kid Joe. It sounds exactly like that stuff to me. But they do a great cover of the song Lola. That ain't living. Everything's changing. Kill the Pain are all great songs as well. So check this album out. All right. Number 17 is another band from the old school, even further back than Ugly Kid Joe, and that would be The Cult. Under the Midnight Sun. A quick eight songs from The Cult, clocking in about 35 minutes. The Cult is another band that I have been a massive fan of since I was a kid, and they are masters of changing the sound from album to album, but yet always sounding like themselves in the same vein that, you know, other bands we've talked about, like Fade No More or whoever, you know, can do the same thing. And the Cult have released another great album, and this is probably my favorite Cult album over the last two or three albums. It, the whole thing has a vibe of somewhere between early Cult, like before they hit the mainstream. I mean, they were, you know, they were getting notoriety you know, even back in the early days of, like, New Wave and shit, even though they didn't sound like that, they had that gothic sound with songs like Rain and The Witch and all that stuff before, you know, they hit with the albums like Love and Electric and then, of course, exploded with Sonic Temple. And they changed into that kind of hard rock band. But then in the mid-90s, they released their self-titled album that was very much of the times with that alternative sound, but it worked. It wasn't like a band trying to do something they shouldn't be doing because... It was kind of what they were doing in the early 80s before all those other bands. And even though this album doesn't sound like that at all, it's kind of somewhere between that, their early 80s stuff, and what they became, and it's kind of like a good kind of middle ground and all that. The song Give Me Mercy, which was the first single, is my favorite cult song to come out since in probably 20 years, probably since Beyond Good and Evil. And I mean, that's saying a lot, because I like, everything this band does, but it's just another album to check out if you have not yet. If you've ever liked The Cult, do yourself a favor and check this out. Alright, number 16, The Dead Daisies. Radiance. The Dead Daisies, now that they have Glenn Hughes as the frontman, you know, I cannot stress enough how great this band is. They were great with Karabi. Absolutely. You know, I've said this many times, Krub is one of my favorite vocalists of all time, but so is Glenn Hughes. So I'm so happy that they replaced Karabi with someone of this level of importance and greatness. On top of all that, personally, I got to see this band live for the first time ever this year when I worked Blue Ridge Rock Fest. I got to watch him from the side of the stage, and it blew my mind to finally be able to see Glenn Hughes live, who was on this podcast about a year and a half ago. Actually, maybe it was two and a half, and maybe it was 2020, but, you know, one of my favorite episodes ever, just because I got to talk to Glenn Hughes for like 20, 30 minutes. But I got to work with Dead Daisies at that show, and to see them perform live, they performed Radiance from this album, and Shine On. I believe Shine On is one of the top five songs of 2022. 
So if you do nothing else, go listen to that song once this episode's over. And then listen to this full album. Number 15 is Municipal Waste Electrified Brain. Back-to-back bands that I got to work with at Blue Ridge Rock Fest. Same thing, this was the first time I got to see them live. Fucking great. And on top of that, great dudes. So, with that being said, if you need any indication that thrash music is alive and well, you need to put this album on. Electrified Brain. It is. 34 minutes of thrash metal at its finest. This is the, uh, I would like to say, kind of the purveyors of modern thrash metal. I mean, thrash metal was always alive whenever bands like Testament and Overkill and Megadeth and Anthrax are out there touring and putting out new music as well. But there always has to be modern bands to carry their shit forward. You know, we've talked a lot about bands like Havoc, etc. But Municipal Waste is kind of, you know, Toxic Holocaust as well. But Municipal Waste, I think, is kind of like the band that's doing it at the highest level of all these modern bands. And Electrified Brain, the title track alone now, the song that kicks this album off, is enough to put this on your urine list. So just check this out, and if you like thrash metal... I can't see how you would like this album. All right, number 14 is Rammstein Ziet. Ziet. As I said earlier, we got a new album quicker than I thought we would have. And I think that from what I read, I don't know, I haven't read something since it came out, but I read a few things when it came out that I think some people were less impressed with this than normal. I don't know. I could be remembering that wrong. But to me, it's another great one. Maybe it's not as great as the last few or the last couple, but they, I don't know. Rammstein's one of those bands that, you know, it's an acquired taste. You know, we all know that. If you don't love heavy metal with industrial elements and German vocals, you're not going to like Rammstein. But to me, this is the band that, is the premier live band in this world when it comes to rock music. It's my favorite live show I've ever seen, you know, because you see a lot of bands that are great, amazing live musicians, and then you see shows that are amazing. But very few bands put those things together at the highest level. Iron Maiden and Rammstein when it comes to metal. Slipknot's great, but at the end of the day, I don't like Slipknot's music at the same level I like Rammstein's or Iron Maiden's, so... Even though I love them. You know, some just, you know, that's a band. Hey, that's another band I didn't mention. I had an album this year so that didn't make my list. But Rammstein did. So check that one out. Just kind of like Clutch. Like I said, it's not going to turn you into a fan if you weren't a fan before. But if you were, check it out. A lot of people might not know it's out there because, you know, mainstream rock and roll is not playing Rammstein. All right, number 13 would be Soil Work. Overgiven Hayton. Am I saying that right? Overgiven Hayton. To say it fast so it sounds like you're right, right? Soil Work is a band that... I'm going to repeat this with the next album as well, but Soil Work is a band that... Every album they put out, 
to me, it's just like, they're just one of those bands that just puts out quality music all the time. And I know that a lot of people might not agree with that. A lot of people might be like, well, this album's better than that, blah, blah, blah. That's the truth. You know, we all have our albums that we're going to go back to more than others. But Sore Work has never slowed down on their output. They've always been on that every other year cycle. Bjornstrid is nonstop in his output because Night Flight has stuff coming out every other year, sometimes every year. Sore Work, you know, there's always an album coming out from him, whether from one of those bands. Sore Work, this album, it's cohesive. It's got great stuff. Let me look at this track list here. Uh, Dreams of Nowhere might be my favorite song in this album. Vultures. Harvest Spine. Electric Again. Check this album out. If you like, same thing, like I've said with a lot of these. A lot of these bands aren't breaking new ground, or if you don't like them before you want on, you know, but like Soul Work is one of those bands that just, they've never stepped to another level when it comes to America. You know, they're way bigger worldwide, but they're one of the best metal bands in the world, in my opinion. And Bjorn Strud's one of the best metal vocalists. So check this album out. All right, number 12. I'm going to kind of sound redundant here. Evergrey, A Heartless Portrait, The Orphean Testament. That's the full name of the album, by the way. I'm not just adding things. Evergrey, exactly the same way as Sore Work. Always high quality music. This album came out back in May. I listened to it a few times when it came out because, man, I love Evergrey. They might be they might be one notch above Sore Work on as my favorite band from Scandinavia of all time. I don't know, but Evergrey is one of those bands that musically it's hard to pin down. They sound like themselves. But, you know, they they have this sound that, when I hear it, I think, you know, we should be out. You know, kind of like a Viking metal scenario. Even though this band sounds nothing like a Viking metal band, but I feel like we should be on this massive boat out in a sea in the middle of a storm in the year 1737. Listening to this music as the waves are crashing over the side and we're about to die. But then I listen to this, the next song, and I feel like we should be in the year 2177 in a dystopian future, or even in a great future. What I'm trying to say is that Evergrey's music transcends time, okay? That's it. Their music fits at any time, and they're one of those bands that, I don't know that they even have a song that is bad, or that is even subpar. I've said this multiple times throughout the years. You can put on Evergrey and hit random play on any of their albums. And I could just let that thing go for hours. And this album adds right to that. Right into that for me. Tom England's voice is exceptional. If you're into the heavy metal with the heavy vocals, maybe you don't like Evergrey. But they're a band that I think, same with Soil Work, the American audience needs to check out more. They're one of the few remaining bands on my bucket list that I have not seen, so 
Hopefully that day will come. Save us. The opening track. The title track, The Orphean Testament. Reawakening. Heartless. There's a bunch of amazing riffs on this album as well. So just delve into this one. Ever Gray. Number 11. Skid Row. The Gang's All Here. It's been a while since Skid Row has been on a top album list of mine, I guess. Have they even released now since we've been doing this podcast? I do not know. I know that they had an EP there at the the last thing they did with uh, Johnny Solinger, but regardless, the gang's all here. It's the first album with our new singer, and it is... 41 minutes long, 10 tracks, and this is one of the most solid albums you'll hear this year when it comes to hard rock music. Okay, the gang's all here from Skid Row. I kind of talked about this in length whenever the album came out. This album is the perfect combination of Skid Row's debut album and Slave to the Grind. It's, it has all the elements of both of them put into this perfect package for the year 2022. Who would have thought 30 years later that we would get an album like this, okay? Let's look. The Gang's All Here. The title track. The song Time Bomb. Nowhere Fast. Tear It Down. World on Fire. This whole album's great, but there's some highlights. But let me tell you something. They have now proven what I've been saying for years, is they don't need Sebastian Bach. Sure, if they got Sebastian Bach, they would be playing some bigger places than they are playing. But that's that's irrelevant. You know, I give these guys credit for sticking to their guns and just doing what they want to do. And as much as I love subhuman race, I even love Thick Skin, okay? As much as I love these albums, this is the best thing they've done since Slave to the Grind. So if you're sleeping on this one, my friends, check out Skid Row's new album, The Gang's All Here. Okay, now we're into the top ten. Excuse my clicking right there. Number 10. Shine Down. Planet Zero. Now here's something that, if you had told me before the year, that Shine Down would be in my top 10, I would have thought, one, I'm very glad about that because it's been quite a while for me personally to feel that way. And two, you're probably wrong. But guess what? At least one prevailed. I'm very happy that this happened, because Shinedown is a band that I've always liked. But the first album, the second album, the third album to me are just, I wouldn't say, you know, They're all different, but they're all 
way higher level to me than everything that came after. And there's that's no knock on anything that came after. I've got every shine down of them. I like them. I like them all. But the music, I don't know. You know, I don't know how to put it. Just somewhere in between Sound of Madness and even maybe, excuse me, The Threat is Real might be the last one. But after that, it just the music became a little too slick, a little too you know, your perfect radio rock slash metal sounding music. That's not a bad thing, but that just became too much of that for me personally. But Planet Zero is the first album since Sound of Madness that is from start to finish for me from Shinedown. Start to finish, fucking phenomenal. It's a concept album. And if you lived through the pandemic, what you did if you're listening to this, that's what this is about, okay? Maybe not overtly, but it's pretty obvious. And this song kicks off, No Sleep Tonight, just a straight-up banger, in the same way that Shinedown, you know, did on those first few albums. Planet Zero, the title track, kicks right into that as soon as No Sleep Tonight ends, and it's just... Just... You know, it's just one of those perfect title tracks, one of those songs that I could hear or I could believe that would be in their live set from henceforward, you know, as it should be. And then this album features interludes throughout, you know, with like a a futuristic, you know, scenario going on and all this stuff. And the dysfunctional you, the dead don't die, America burning. Lyrically, this album is great. You know, Shinedown's always been great with lyrics, but just everything, lyrically, musically, Cohesively, this is Shinedown's best music since The Sound of Madness. What has that been now? Was that 2008, I believe? So we're looking 14 years ago. So jump into this. The Saints of Violence and Innuendo is one of my favorite songs of the year. Probably top five. So check that one out. Number nine. Queensryche, Digital Noise Alliance. So in the same sense that I said about Skid Row, here we are in 2022, and Queensryche put out possibly their best album in 30 years. Maybe, maybe a little less. I've actually seen some people say this is their best album since Empire, which was 32 years ago now, over 32 years ago, since we're at the end of the year. But I'm a huge fan of Promised Land that came out in 93, so let's say almost 30 years. All the albums they've put out since Todd LaTorres joined the band, excuse me, joined the band, have been great. But this is the best one since he's joined the band. It's the heaviest album they've done, I think, with him. It's the heaviest album they've done, period, since, hell, probably since Operation Mindcrime, okay? I could be wrong, but just, like, thinking off the top of my head, it's one of those albums that's just solid, you know, kind of like it's it's on a year on list here, so it's got to be, like, solid straight through, right? I shouldn't be saying that about any of these albums. I should be understand, or should be understood, 
but just I I can't express you know stress enough that if you're listening to this you like you like this music you like this type of music whether it be you know some of this stuff is bands that have been around 10 15 20 years and some of this is stuff is like Queensrack has been around 40 years but for a band that's been around for 40 years to still put out music this high quality and they're doing it with a new vocalist and I know that divides a lot of people you know I was a big fan of everything they did with Jeff Tate even some of the albums that people fucking hated you know like Tribe and you know I wasn't a big fan of a couple of those albums but there's stuff in there I loved and you know Jeff Tate I got the chance to interview him earlier this year that's a whole other story but what they're doing with Todd is they've brought him in and fully let him do what a lot of these bands don't do whenever they bring in a new vocalist. Let him totally just put his mark on this stuff. I know that... I should have done a little research. I know that he played the drums, I believe, on the last album. But I think that Casey Grillo played him on this album. could be wrong about that. But, again, same thing I said with Skid Row. If this is a band you kind of checked out on and haven't listened to newer stuff from, this is where you need to jump back in, okay? This is a phenomenal fucking metal album from one of the preeminent preeminent progressive metal bands of all time. So just Digital Noise Alliance, Queensryche. Okay. Number eight. Crowbot. Feel this. Crowbot is one of the best bands to debut in the past decade, in my opinion. This, I believe, is their fourth album. And since the first, you know, was the first one, I think, was probably 2015, 2014. They haven't, still haven't got the, that jump to the next level like I think they should. You know, they've made themselves a name in the rock world. But I still think there's probably a lot of people in the mainstream audience out there that that don't know who this band is yet. And that should change. This album is so good from beginning to end. This band is so good at straddling that line between hard rock and metal. With just, you know, catchiness, dirtiness, everything. You know, they've, they've got the most, like catchy melodic chorus that'll get stuck in your head, but then they've got the most dirty, you know, riffs and like, you know, just his voice can straddle the line of, of all that. And this album, man, I could just name every song on this, but the song golden, which is the most recent single again, one of my top five or 10 songs of the year. This song is so fucking great. It's like a mid-tempo rocker, as they used to say. Living on the streets. Get stuck in your fucking head. Dizzy. Set you free. And just this whole thing. If you're not on the board with Crowbot, you need to check them out. And this album is a great place to start, okay? So Crowbot filled this, and it's got a, a great album cover. You know, I don't, haven't really delved too much into, like, what I think it, like, 
represents, but you know, the album's called Fill This, so just check out that album cover. All right, number seven Ghost Impura. All right, Ghost, man, I just love how much this band pisses people off. I just love it. I've always been one of those people that just love when people just get so pissed off about shit that doesn't matter. And so many people just can't stand the fact that the media or whoever has decided that this is a metal band, even though the band itself has never claimed to be a metal band, but they get nominated for metal Grammys. They get thrown in the category and metal shit, whatever. Who cares? You know, who who fucking cares? This band has been putting out music for over a decade, and it just continuously just gets better, and they continuously expand what they do. They continuously expand their reach, their, you know, they're becoming one of those bands that, you know, we're going to look to in the years to come as one of the headliners of the future. You know, I mean, they're already at the point where they're headlining stuff, but they're, we're talking like the next, you know, in bands like Metallica and Aerosmith and whoever else, like these old school bands that are, you know, could still headline a festival. You know, they're part of those new bands like Slipknot and Foo Fighters that can take this into the future. They've got theatrics. They've got the stage show. They've got all that stuff. But at the end of the day, if you don't have music, it doesn't matter. And this song, I mean this song, this album, has continued what this band has done, which is every album progressed their sound slightly more. If you listen to this album back to back with their debut album, it sounds nothing alike. It sounds, I mean, it sounds similar. The vocal styles, the lyrical content, all that great stuff. But when you look at songs like Kaiserion, which is, again, I've mentioned this a few times, this would be in my top 10 songs of 2022. Then you've got Spillways, Call Me a Little Sunshine, Hunter's Moon, Watcher in the Sky, Darkness at the Heart of My Love. All these, even Respite on the Spirit, no, uh, I can't even say that, Respite, <laughs> Respite on the Spital Fields, like the final track, like this whole album, see I just named off like three-fourths of this album. This band, Tobias is such a great songwriter, and this, you know, I don't, I, you know, why I don't know why I'm trying to, like, defend it. I'm not. I don't care. If you don't like it, you can sit here and argue with me all you want. I fucking love Ghost, and I know that they're a band that very much polarizes people. You know, there's always got to be those bands. But at the end of the day, they put out great music, and that's all I care about. This is a hard rock metal podcast, and they're definitely... One of the two, somewhere in between there. The song Darkness at the Heart of My Love is a ballad that I mentioned when this came out that I think this song's so well written that you strip this down and put this on any genre of music and it would be a massive hit. I'm talking like if you gave this to some rando fucking shit-ass pop country star or if you gave this to someone worth a shit, like Lady Gaga or something, this song 
would be one of the biggest songs in the world, okay? But, as a whole, Hunter's Moon, such a great fucking song. Okay, so I'm going to just stop rambling about Ghost for a second and jump into my number six album of the year. Zeal and Ardor. And the self-titled album from Zeal and Ardor. Okay, fucking hell. I don't even know what to say. More so than any band on this list. Probably even more than Crowbot or whoever. This band is a... They get the love critically, but... Do the majority of people know who Zeal and Ardor is? No. I still ask people all the time. You know, this is the third or fourth album. Third album, I think. Third full-length full album. There's an EP in there, too. Another band that just keeps getting better, keeps expanding what they've done. And they're so great because you can't easily describe Zillan Arter to someone. It is so rare these days, as the years pass, for a band to come out and sound very unique in the sense of, like, you can't think of someone before them that sounded similar to this, okay? They, they're they combining things that shouldn't be combined. I mean, who would have thought to combine, to combine slave spirituals like old African-American hymnals with black metal? Okay, that's what they did on the first album. And then as it expanded, they kept that sound, but it's like a mix of black metal like I said, these spirituals, industrial, at time you got bluesy stuff, you've got acoustic rock, I mean, folk music, I don't know what, what the hell you want to, what the hell you want to say, all these things sound like they should not go together, but this band does it, and they do it splendidly, and the thing is, it's one guy doing it all, right, okay, not live, but obviously, but on record, You'll be listening to a song and it'll just have like this great acoustic guitar and this great kind of like, you know, nice distinct vocal. And then all of a sudden the chorus hits and it's fucking black metal balls out. And that happens the same way through this album. The song Run, Death to the Holy, Feed the Machine, Church Burns. Hold your head low. Man, this album. I You know, I, I went nuts when the first album came out. And I think this is the best album yet. And they just keep, you know, this is a band that I'll just, I can't wait to see what happens in the future. You know, you, you would say that about any band you love. But I'd just be interested to see a decade from now, looking back, like what Zeal and Ardor does. Where they go. And if they ever make it to a level of being a household name. Probably not because they don't have a household type of sound, but or a household mainstream type of sound. But regardless, this is more than anything on this list. I would say if you've never listened to Zillin Arter, just give this thing a shot. Okay, we're into the top five. Number five, Motor Sister. Get off. Motor Sister put out their second full-length album. But this is the first album that is 
completely written by Mother Sister. The first album was Mother Superior songs that were re-recorded by the band Mother Sister. The band Mother Sister features Scotty and of Anthrax, John Tempesta of The Cult, Joey Vera of Armored Saint, Pearl of Day, and Jim Wilson, who has been, who is the front man and guitarist of Mother Superior. He's also been a part of the Rollins Band and many other great things throughout the years. But Motor Sister is just pure hard rock and roll. This album is straight up just... I hate whenever I, you know, repeat the same words over and over, because when I talk about too many albums in a row, it sounds like I'm regurgitating shit. But like, just song after song, Can't Get High Enough opens this thing. Such a great track. Coming For You, the second track, features the main vocal from Pearl of Day. And that's something that Jim Wilson, when he was on this podcast earlier this year, talked about how moving forward he hopes that it gets to a point to where there's more songs that feature... Pearl of Day as the main vocalist. Because most of the time it's been, you know, obviously him, and then there'll be a couple songs in with them, kind of like a duet, like there is on this one, like sooner or later. But this this is one that we talked about a great deal. I talked about last time Jim was on this podcast this past summer, I believe it was in June, not long after the album had come out. And Jim's been on this podcast many times. And, well, I know, I didn't really have anywhere to go from that. And I was letting you know, you need to check those episodes out. But this whole, this whole album, Excuse Me, Your Life is Exposed, Lion's Den, A Million Miles, Time's Up, the final, well, it's not the final track, one of the last tracks has very much a Kiss vibe to it. And that's something he talked about in the interview that it was actually kind of a, well, it was obviously intentional when you talk about the members of this band and they're big Kiss fans, but I mean, it's a super group that many times super groups don't live up to the hype. I mean, you look on paper, you're like, Oh, that sounds like it'll be amazing. And then it's just, it's just okay. But this is everything you want from a fucking hard rock band. It's just Jim Wilson just, you know, is one of the most underrated musicians of the past 25 years perfect, bluesy, beautiful rock and roll. His solo music, you know, really hits in on his influences of the Stones and stuff like that. But this really hits in on the influences of all the hard rock stuff. And if you never never listened to his band Mother Superior, they have several albums. You need to check that out too. I don't need to explain to you what the other members of this band have done. You should know all that. But anyway, check this album out. Motor Sister, Get Off. It's a perfect slab of fucking hard rock and roll. Number four, Megadeth, The Sick, The Dying, and The Dead. Exclamation point. There's a Megadeth title if there ever was one. This could be Megadeth's best album and several albums. And yet another band that I don't dislike any recent work from. But this album just really 
when Megadeth puts out an album, I know I'm going to like it because I'm a huge fucking fan, you know, ever since I was a kid. But I look at, again, you know, if you'd hit me up at the beginning of the year, say, where do you think the new Megadeth album is going to fall on your list? I'm like, it might be, you know, somewhere 10. I don't know. But I'm glad that it's up here at the top, which means that this album did exactly what it should have done. We've got Megadeth, Dave Mustaine, doing perfect Dave Mustaine things, okay? He brings in a couple um, guest artists, and then he just writes killer fucking riffs, epic fucking songs, great fucking lyrics, and does it all perfectly. The song Night Stalkers with Ice-T, fucking great. The song Junkie is great. The song Killing Time might be one of my favorite Megadeth songs since the 90s. Then you've got the song We'll Be Back is fucking great too. Then you've got the cover of Police Truck from the Dead Kennedys, which is great. And this album ends with a cover of Sammy Hagar's This Planet's on Fire, Burning Hell. And Sammy Hagar joins in on the fun. And this is something Jason mentioned on the last episode, which I hadn't really thought about. Whenever you hear their vocals together, it just sounds so natural and so perfect together, which you don't expect when you just talk about it. Dave Mustaine, Sammy Hagar. Of course, they're two legends, but... Do they sound like they should be on the same song together? Probably not. But here they are, and it works perfectly. One of the best covers of the year. But this album as a whole, it's perfect modern Megadeth. Do they sound as thrashy as they used to? At times, yes. At times, no. But they've, you know, been on this trajectory for the past 30 years where ever since Countdown to Extinction and Euthanasia came out, they've... It's always been a great mix of your thrash, your modern heavy metal. And like I mentioned, the song Killing Time, we're looking at a song that could have been on either of those albums I just mentioned or on any album since. So it's like Dave Mustaine's done great at continually putting out music and even though at times he might rehash some stuff, it still sounds relevant, and it never gets old to me. All right, top three here. Number three, Michael Monroe, I Live Too Fast to Die Young. Talk about a melodic rock, hard rock, almost punk rock at times banger, if there ever was one. This could be my favorite Michael Monroe album since he's come back over this past 12 years or so. Michael Monroe joined me on this podcast earlier this year, which, like I said, with Glenn Hughes, was one of my highlights throughout the years doing this, to be able to talk to that man. This album is so good. It hits, like, every different type of sound and rock that Michael Monroe has done throughout the years, whether it be solo or with Hanoi Rocks. You've got it all. Murder the Summer of Love, Young Drunks and Old Alcoholics. 
Everybody's nobody. Can't stop falling apart. Is my... I'm hard-pressed to say number two. It's either my favorite song or my second favorite song of this year. Can't Stop Falling Apart is just possibly my favorite Michael Monroe song ever. I don't know. Look into it. I Live Too Fast to Die Young is another amazing song of the year. Self-titled. Slash plays the solo on it. Dearly Departed finishes this thing off, and he mentioned on the podcast that this is actually a song that he'd wrote long ago about his wife who passed away and just never felt it was the right time to record it and put it out. And he finally did here. And it's another amazing track, but this album is just, like I said, perfection when it comes to what Michael Monroe does, which is, you know, your sleazy rock and roll somewhere between sleaze rock and punk rock and hard rock sits Michael Monroe, the king of it all. Okay. If you watched Peacemaker on HBO, starring John Cena, this is his the singer of his favorite band of all time. Okay, so it should be yours to check out that episode with, with Michael Monroe if you have not. Number two, Alter Bridge, Pawns and Kings. Man, kind of like I said on a few of these other bands, like Evergrey so forth. Excuse me. Alter Bridge, every album they put out is good. Every album they put out is solid. Every album they put out there doesn't have any filler. But this album, to me, is my favorite Alter Bridge album since their second album, Blackbird. And that's saying a lot. Because this band has put out some great music. But this album is everything that this band is great at, which is epicness, which is amazing fucking vocals, like I talked about when we kicked this thing off at number 22 with Slash and Miles Kennedy. Guitar, phenomenal guitar work from Mark Tremonti. Phenomenal writing. Phenomenal everything. This band is a cohesive unit. I mean, hell, you've got Three of these guys have been playing together for nearly 30 years now. The three guys from Creed. And they've been playing with Miles Kennedy now for, what are we going on, 17 years? And they just keep getting better. The title track is the final song of this album. And it is one of the most epic Alter Bridge songs of all time. It is right up, like I mentioned, Blackbird. It's right up there with the epic title track of Blackbird. The song Silver Tongue is one of the best songs of this year. The kickoff track, This Is War. Season of Promise. This album also features Mark Tremonti on vocals like the last couple have. The guy is as good as they come. But he's in a band with someone that transcends all that when Miles Kennedy is so, hey. Alter Bridge is a band that I think a lot of metal people, if you're too dialed in to metal, might not give these guys the chance they deserve. I look at them the same way I do with Seven Dust, maybe slightly less where they, you could consider them hard rock at times and metal at times, even though Seven Dust leans way more metal most all the time. 
Alter Bridge. Tremonti's riffs are straight up metal. And then you've got a band that takes all the elements of just epic hard rock and mixes all that together to bring us one of the greatest, you know, bands of the past of the past 20 years. And they continuously put out new music. And now here we are in 2022. They're putting out some of their best music they ever have. So, Alter Bridge. Number two, Pawns and Kings. Look at this motherfucker if you have not. All right. Number one. Machine Head. Of Kingdom and crown all capital letters as is every song in this album i don't know what that represents but hey that's what it is this album clocks in at right under an hour 13 tracks that's exactly what you expect from machine head the album kicks off with slaughter the martyr i believe i need to look at here, fuck it. I'm just going to click play while we're listening here. I knew it was 10 minutes. Yeah, 10 minutes, 25 seconds. And uh, an album opening track that's 10 minutes, 25 seconds. You know, Machine Head has always had epic long songs, but usually they don't kick off the album with it. But this album, they always kick off their albums with songs that just have this epic buildup. And go into, you know, the greatness of Machine Head. But this album kicks straight into chart, you know, the second track, Choke on the Ashes of Your Hate, was the first single. And I actually believe it was one of the top songs on Sirius's year-end list of the most requested songs on Liquid Metal, on The Devil's Dozen. Unhallowed. That's another pretty good long song, but Unhallowed features a sound or a conglomeration of sounds that kind of bring everything that Machine Head has ever done into one track. Unhallowed, I believe, is the greatest song of 2022, right here on the greatest album of 2022. I know that Machine Head is another band that's kind of polarizing, but I think that's more so just because of Rob Flynn. Than it is the music. I don't know. I think it's stupid that people don't like this band because of they didn't like the way they dressed during the Burning Red, or they didn't like things Rob Flynn said about someone five years ago. Who gives a shit? This album is so fucking good. This album is everything that heavy metal should be. I've said this many times about Machine Head. I believe that they are the greatest modern American metal band there is. You know, I'm I'm talking, when I say modern, I know their first album was in 94, but I mean band that didn't come out previous to that. I'm talking like 70s, 80s, not talking your Iron Maidens, Metallicas, Megadeths. I'm talking any band that came out later than that. This band has continuously put out fucking bangers. And the songs, the song, No God, No Masters. When you hear, I saw that, you know, I just saw him live here a couple weeks ago. And when you hear that song live, 
I can't wait to see this perform live. You know, I'll have to watch it on video. Perform live to like a festival in Europe or anywhere in South America or somewhere where the crowd like loves metal, loves this band. Like this has like epic, you know, huge crowd reaction written all over it with the chorus and like the sing-along aspect of it. But Bloodshot, Rotten. Man, this this whole album. Machine Head. I could ramble on about how much I love Machine Head, how much I love Rob Flynn's vocals, how much I love his lyrical content, how much personally this band has meant to me throughout the years. You know, I know the last couple albums, you know, have had their detractors at moments, and I liked them, but I think that this is the... And I know those last couple albums, we even had, you know, high up on the lists because they're great. But this is the first one I put at number one, I believe. So that's how much I believe that this album sets the standard. This could be the best Machine Head album straight through since The Blackening. If you love metal, if you love groove metal, if you love American straight up banging heavy metal, do yourself a favor and check out this band. They're better than Lamb of God. And I fucking love Lamb of God. I'm not saying that negatively. I'm just saying that like there's bands like Lamb of God or Slipknot or whoever that get all this mainstream exposure or headline in festivals or the second band down or whatever. When I believe Machine Head is not just slightly better, but infinitely better. Not infinitely, but like <laughs> noticeably better than these bands. And I know that's an opinion quote-unquote, a hot take, whatever. That's me. And if Kingdom of Crown is the best album of 2022. There you go. All right. So there you go. Running down this, number one, Machine Head. Two, Alter Bridge. Three, Michael Monroe. Four, Megadeth. Five, Motor Sister. Six, Zill and Arter. Seven, Ghost. Eight, Crobot. Nine, Queensryche. Ten, Shinedown. Eleven, Skid Row. 12 Evergrey, and in the top 22, finish out with Sorowork, Romstein, Municipal Waste, The Dead Daisies, The Cult, Ugly Kid Joe, Parkway Drive, Clutch, Thunder Mother, and Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and The Conspirators. So I like this list. You've got thrash metal, old thrash metal, new thrash metal. You've got groove metal. You've just got straight up metal. You've got straight up hard rock. You've got melodic rock. You've got old school bands like The Cult and Skid Row and Ugly Kid Joe. Newer bands like Thunder Mother. Bands that, you know, modern metal bands like Parkway Drive. European bands, Scandinavian bands like Soilwork and Evergrey. European bands like Romstein. You've got, you know, your modern metal, hard rock, whatever you want to call it, radio metal, radio rock, skid, uh, not skid row, shine down, crowbot, ghost, bands like Zill and Arter, they can't be categorized, Motor Sister, who are your perfect hard rock. Just, we've got it all here, folks. There you go. Another top 20, two, not another top 22, another top year in list from Thunder Underground. 
I always like to mention stuff I'm looking forward to in the next year, but I did not do research. I know that Metallica obviously has a new album they announced coming out in April, which based off of Lexa Turner, I'm hoping should be a banger, as they say. I keep saying banger on this episode. I've barely ever said that. That's a Jamie Jossa term that Jason also threw around quite a bit. Guns and Roses. There's been, you know, talk that that's coming at some point. Both Slash and Duff have confirmed that they're working on this music. So will we see that sooner than later? Hopefully so. My favorite band of all time. Night Flight Orchestra. I'm guessing we'll have another album. Anthrax should have that new album that they've been working on. Extreme has announced that they've got one coming. And uh, I don't have anything written down, so I don't know. I know that there's stuff I, I should know. I know there's stuff coming that I've actually talked about. There's something coming in February, and I forgot what it was. But regardless, we don't need to talk about that till it happens. But yeah, so let me let me skim through this real quick. I mentioned it some on some of the songs, but like Michael Monroe has been on this podcast. You know, you've got 364 episodes before this to check out. Michael Monroe's been on there. Several members of Megadeth. Jim Wilson of Motor Sister. Jeff Tate of Queensryche, even though it was not this version of Queensryche. But so on and so forth, just looking down through that list. Many people have been on this podcast that are on this top list. Speaking of people being on this podcast, 2023 is going to kick off with some great stuff because I've already got ones recorded that I've spoke about, you know, that didn't get released yet because I've been gone a lot and because I've got this year-end thing going on, blah, blah, blah. But Justin Foley, the drummer for Kill Switch Engage, will be on one of the next couple episodes. And Miljinko, the vocalist of Steelheart, will be the other of the next couple episodes. Very happy about both those. Looking forward to getting those out soon. I've also got a couple others scheduled when all this stuff happens. Of course, we'll announce it here when it does. TheThunderUnderground.com. You can listen to everything there. You can find all the socials there. So follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that great stuff. Anytime you see a post, if you like it, comment, share, retweet. All that great stuff helps out. Shares the post around. The more people that like it or comment, the more other people see it. So that always helps out greatly. You can listen pretty much into our podcast or heard wherever you're listening right now. Subscribe or like or whatever or follow so you don't miss future episodes. Like I said, you got 364 previous ones. This has been a great, excuse me, a great year of podcast. I just had on Josie Scott here recently, the original vocalist of Saliva. That was a fun one. Had on like I said, Jeff Tate, Frank Hannon of Tesla was on here. Once again, Damon Johnson of Brother Kane and Leonard Skinner was on here once again. This year, had on John Cooper of Skillet. Um, trying to think of the other stuff this year. I just looked at the list recently. Um, anyway, just dig through it all. Look for something. Listen. I appreciate all of it. All right. Once again, a huge thank you to DB Concerts, Med Farm, and Sunset Tattoo. And we'll see you in 2023.
Until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all. 